Welcome back to Insights, an Amplify original. I'm Nicole McLean, bringing you insights to empower executives, HR professionals, managers, and leaders of all kinds with the best-in-class information to help your employees unlock their true potential. Recruitment feels like a bit of a weird word right now. Some companies can't find enough employees, while others have had to go through a reduction in force. But no matter which camp that you're in, focusing on the employees you have now by taking good care of their needs and building a strong employer brand will position your company for long-term success. To anchor our conversation, I also want to remind us of what employee engagement means, because getting to that position for success can't happen if your employees are disengaged. And right now, there are many reasons as to why employees may feel disconnected from the organization. So to remind us, employee engagement is not employee morale, employee satisfaction, or employee happiness. Rather, employee engagement is this sort of lean-in posture And you can remember it based on three words, head, heart, and hands. Santiago Jaramillo, Amplify's CEO, who you'll hear from later today, defines it as an employee's intellectual connection, the head, the emotional connection, the heart, and how those two things come together to affect daily work, or the hands. With that as our backbone, please join myself, Santiago, and Seth Morales, the president of Morales Group. One of the most important drivers of engagement is a sense of meaning, meaning somebody understands the why behind the company, the why behind the work. And, and in that, meaning is, a, is an awesome predictor of that. And it's not just the sentence on your wall. It's something that um, you live every day. And those rituals that you talked about are the things that create that top of mind awareness so that when somebody is making a decision to go left or right, they think about, well, which way should I go? Is it for short-term benefit of myself or profit? Or is it, how do I live my purpose and, and, and the mission you know, of this organization? And so I'm curious, what are the things that make someone say, I want to go to company A over company B? And is it the perks and benefits? Or is it more of these engagement, these more subtle engagement, but very important drivers? In my experience, in, in the 15 years I've been in the staffing recruiting business, it, it's always the companies that have more of the holistic, altruistic engagement approach uh, versus, hey, I've got you know these other kind of perky, tactical satisfaction or happiness things that they're trying to achieve. I think the employers who have empathy towards these essential kind of frontliners, that they care and they want to develop and customize these pathways for them to go from any job to a better job to a career, I think those employers are the ones that set themselves apart from the other employers. And so we've got, let's say we have 400 clients on a week-to-week basis. There's a lot of opportunity to go to one warehouse to another where you're making a dollar or two difference. But I think it's those cultures that listen and really kind of hone in on, on some of that engagement, customization of, hey, I want to I skill you up. I want to take advantage of where you're at right now and and help you. That's where I think there's some real opportunity. Well, and I think those things you mentioned are the things that you can keep doing in an economic downturn where maybe you can't give the extra bonuses, but you can still be an empathetic leader and you can still lean into your mission and you can still treat people like humans. Too often, you know, you see a site leader or a manager or a CEO, they don't tell it like it is. And there's not a better time than now to shoot people straight and, and be real about the current state of where we're at and how we're 
navigating this kind of uncharted territory of just the virus and, uh, you know, recession and how you kind of get through that. And I think our team, I think our frontline essential teammates out in the field, they just, they, they want real, they want clarity, they want consistent communication. And there's a lot of leaders, unfortunately, I don't think are taking advantage of that, but that's something that's been, I think, really helpful to see a kind of a stickiness factor where you see less turnover or less uh, issue at a customer site when you have leaders like that stepping up and, and kind of taking that that stance. It's, well, I think um, that's a great transition to Santi as a leader. Why should you focus on engagement right now? Yeah, so to build on Seth's point, I, I don't know if, if each of you listening can think about a time in your life where something in your life really changed massively and how well and crisply you remember that phase, those days, those weeks that kind of changed your life forever, right? Whether it was the birth of a, of a child or, or something meaningful in your personal life, the way our brains work is we remember so much more in times of, of change and, and sort of the day-to-day, we just, our brain kind of erases in a, in a way. Um, and these are those times of high change. I believe that our leadership today, it's really hard for it to be neutral. It, it can either be really, really positive uh, or it can be pretty negative. And these times, I believe, will be remembered for years to come, how we show up as leaders. So I think it is this wonderful uh, opportunity, but also this costly risk um, uh, for leaders to not really step up to the challenge of what is being sort of thrown our way. And we're either going to strike out and lose the game um, or, or we're going to hit a home run and there's like not a ton of sort of singles and doubles uh, in these extreme times. And so I think um, I heard this quote that panic is contagious, but so is leadership. And Richard Branson, I think, said it best when so, so many leaders and executives and owners think about results and shareholder value. But the reality is that shareholder value is creating is created primarily by delivering amazing customer experiences. And customer experiences are primarily delivered by people who really care about their work. And so if we can focus upstream versus downstream, we can focus upstream and say, if we treat our people right, they will go above and beyond and create an amazing product or deliver an amazing service. And doing that over time is what creates outside returns on the shareholder value. So the same thing still gets taken care of at the end of the day, but we're doing so much more upstream and we're doing so in a way that we can be proud uh, as leaders of the legacy. That, that we leave because not because we we won despite our people leadership challenges, but we won because of that. So that that was just some thoughts I had, uh, Seth, on, on what you said, because I very much agree with it. So, Nicole, you asked, why should employers care about employee engagement, right? Before COVID, we had the tightest labor market ever. Uh, people were leaving their jobs super fast. And so employers were like, we got to focus on employee engagement because we got to retain these folks and we got to create a great culture that's a magnet for great people to work. And then all of a sudden, that changes overnight. And I believe that leaders are thinking, the leaders that I talk about, the great leaders that are are really taking amazing opportunity to lead well and grow uh, their organization and their teams, they're thinking about three things right now that I believe each of them correlate to employee engagement. Number one, they're thinking, how do we adapt our business and our strategy in this new market context? A lot changed. Our previous playbooks are probably not cutting it. And so how do we change the playbooks and where we're headed? Because the ocean currents just totally changed on us right now. And the the same map isn't going to get us there. 
So how do we adapt and change? How do we innovate basically? And, and, and many times change our business model, number one. Number two, a lot of folks are doing more with less. And, and so how do we do more with less or at least do the same with less, right? Less staff, less time, less focus, right? Whatever that is. And number three, how do we keep the team healthy while they're doing more and while a bunch of things are changing, right? That's kind of like, how do we change our business model? How do we do more with less? And then how do we keep our team healthy as they're doing more with less? And so what we're talking about is number one, innovation, number two, productivity, and number three, avoiding burnout. And employee engagement is the antecedent, is the thing that creates more innovation. Think about this. If you're satisfied and you see a problem that needs innovation, but you're just there for the paycheck and doing the bare minimum, you're not going to solve that problem and innovate. You're going to just kind of brush it under the rug and hand it to the next person in the assembly line and hope you don't get fired for that. And who cares what the customer ends up receiving, right? So innovation only happens when we deeply care about the problem and the customer and we go above and beyond and we work these parts of our brain that we normally don't engage and boom, eureka, right? Innovation happens. So I think we have to be first engaged. And the research shows this, by the way, it's not just my opinion. Research shows that if you're more engaged, you have, you deliver more innovation to the organization. Number two, we already talked about productivity, doing more with less. Somebody who's engaged is 44% more productive than somebody who's satisfied. So that one is a clear tie to employee engagement. You get more productivity with more employee engagement. And then number three, employee engagement, if we have a deep sense of meaning, we're less likely to get burned out. If we know the why behind it, uh, Victor Frankl is a Holocaust survivor. He's an amazing, amazing person. He wrote Man's Search for Meaning. And he talked about a person with a why can bear with almost any how. So if we know why we're doing what we're doing, we can have an amazing amount of resilience in the obstacles that stand in our way between us and achieving that objective. But if we don't, it, it's like, you ever heard that exercise where like you sort of dig a hole, uh, inmates are asked to dig a hole and then they're asked to fill it back up again and it's just to keep them busy, right? Burnout is going to happen pretty quickly because there's no reason for why this work is being done. And so I think that employee engagement is super important because it helps the team adapt and innovate in an environment full of change and uncertainty that requires innovation and adaptability from us, doing more with less, and then making sure that those folks stay healthy and don't burn out because burnout is serious. Burnout uh, leads to depression. Burnout leads to less productivity. Burnout leads to people leaving, to questioning why they even joined the company in the first place. Why do I even do this? Is this even worth it? And a lot of people right now are, are working from home and having this moment in their life when they're reflecting on their life. I'm like, who do I want to be? And, and what do I want to do? And if folks are, are getting burnt out, they're in this sort of place of transition where they can make decisions to, to not come back <laughs> after this craziness is, is over. So I think that's why employee engagement is even more important than, than ever. But do you guys have some other practical things that you can be doing to set your workforce apart um, or set your employer brand apart in the market? I think the other, other thing that's going to be really important is just flexibility. I think as an employer, being flexible, whether it's work arrangements or being flexible with the teammates that are, you know, what their hours look like, where they work from. I just think that the game has is completely changed. And I think this willingness to be open to flexibility and different work arrangements are going to be really important. As leaders, I think there's a lot of leaders that won't adapt and, and survive this kind of new change and being open to having people work from home or work a staggered shift or work 
half of half of um, a week. I think gone are the days of you know you're in the office eight to five and you're 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 locked into your desk. That's just I mean I know Emphasi is a more forward thinking organization, but I think for a lot of companies out there that aren't you know at, at your guys' speed, they're going to struggle to to be flexible. And so I think that's going to be really key is that whether it's your benefits package, the way you set up work arrangements, just flexibility is going to be really important. I heard of a, of a CEO who asked the HR if it was okay to ask employees to set up cameras in their home offices so that they could be monitored for productivity. And so uh, that would be, <laughs> that would be not a that, best that, practice. And also that would be a good, that'd be a good LinkedIn post, what not to do. So the, uh, I think another piece is leading with mission and leading with purpose. I think it's an amazing opportunity to truly live out the true mission of the organization in more creative ways. One of the things that I was really, really uh, incredibly proud and awed uh, of the Amplify team is that when this hit, they said, how can we be of service to this? And not necessarily like capitalize on, you know, the profit of it, but just how do we live out our purpose? And the team you know, took a moment and said, you know, people, I think the managers are probably really struggling to know what their team needs most right now. How can we prove? And then they literally, literally wiped away three weeks of our product roadmap and our entire engineering and product team started working nights and weekends out of their own volition and choice to create uh, what we call the well-being tool, which is a free tool that any manager can use to, in like, a couple of literally five minutes uh, and three days later, they can hear exactly how their team is doing and their number one opportunity to help their team be more successful. And we have had over in in like a month, we had over 10,000 employees be assessed with this, like over like a thousand companies, organizations. When we, we have more organizations on this tool than we do like on, on our core like product in just like a month. Um, and that was, that was a, and we've heard uh, stories uh, of, of clients that said, oh yeah, we bought uh, our team uh, PPE uh, equipment, masks and gloves because they were feeling deeply unsafe in the warehouse. And, and like that probably has saved literal lives, you know, um, and it's can, for us, it was an amazing opportunity to think about how do we, how do we lead with, with our purpose and our mission and I know other organizations are saying, forget our business model for like a second. Like, is there a way we can be a service to the situation? I think that not only is that the right thing to do, but I think that also gets remembered. But one other thought just on um, things you can do to kind of help with your workforce. I've heard a lot of individual contributors that are taking this time to try and improve their skill sets so that they could be more hireable if they choose to leave after this. And so I think as leaders, there are so many free tools, so many universities, so many, you know, various educational institutions that are making their classes free for folks. And so even if you can't spend money, I think if you can lean into letting your people know you care about their professional development and that you want them to grow while they have some time or just that point, you know, trying to mix the day up, encouraging them to take a class or asking a team to take a class together and, and talk about that within the organization could be a way to kind of build that rapport with your with your folks. One last question here. We've talked a little bit about like how to prepare for the future. What have we learned from this? But maybe can you just kind of summate that is like, what are your best predictions how are you going to take the lessons learned from the situation to make your business stronger? And what can other leaders do in that time to just really start preparing for whenever that end is, how, how to embrace that as much as possible? I told my team the other day, I felt like we 
weathered uh, some of the storm and, and now we're, we're getting off the ship and I'm burning the ship at the shore and there's no retreat. And it, it, it's kind of like we're all in, we're going forward and we're, we've got this kind of new state of focus. And the, the new focus is for us, we recruit in person. So we're a temporary you know, staffing company and the lifeblood of our organization was recruiting face to face and we had to pivot overnight and recruit virtually. And from my standpoint, there's no turning back. I think the game of innovating and going digital and leveraging technology has been accentuated and it has helped kind of catapult our business into this new uh, virtual recruiting area. So I think making, if you're hiring staff, if you're making it frictionless, uh, making it virtual, thinking about the ways to innovate, I think that's really important going forward. I think valuing essential frontline teammates even if they make $10, $12, $15 an hour, let's find a way to serve and lift them up. I think worker well-being and just kind of mental health has really become a really important topic for us as we go forward. I think it's um, it's heightened right now with some burnout, and you just you realize how important that is. And then I talked about flexibility earlier. So the game or the future of workforce has really changed, and it's changing right in front of us right now. And I think those that are a little bit more flexible and adaptive to this, I think they're going to come out winning. And those who continue to kind of push back and go back to the old ways, I think will we'll have some challenges. So that's what I see. And I think there's there's a lot of different things coming on, but it's it's a unique time right now. That's great. Santi, some final thoughts to, to wrap us up? I think it's hard to make predictions about the future because it's very uncertain. But I think that I forget which uh, Greek philosopher said that change, I think it was Heraclitus, he said change is the only constant. Like just change just is just going to keep happening. And I think we have been in decades of accelerating change in technology with society and culture. Best scientists today say that um, flu season and COVID season might return again, right, in the fall, unless we get really lucky with a vaccine. And so whether it's that or the impact of climate change, or different things happening at work, or being in continued um, technological change, the future is uncertain, and our brains are literally neurologically wired to remove uncertainty. So we as humans struggle with uncertainty because it taps into that sort of amygdala part of our brain, that old brain that we have, and it's like a fight or flight response that we have with uncertainty. And so what do we do when there's a future filled with uncertainty, which means it's a future filled with difficulty, but we need to figure out a way how to thrive as people and as businesses during this time. What do we do? I think what we do is we build resilience as an organizational capability. Resilience is this alchemy crazy move that we can do as humans to take in difficulty and challenge. That's the input. And then we can output growth and insights about ourselves that help us become better humans and better professionals. What a, what a crazy skill to have right now when there's more difficulty and challenge coming at us than ever. And it requires us to step into parts of who we are uh, that we've been needing to step into for some time. But now we have an opportunity to do that. So how do we as an organization create the ability to help our teammates and ourselves be more resilient. And I think that the how resilient we can make our businesses and our teams and our people and ourselves will directly determine our success as people and as organizations when more uncertainty is certain to come. 
Thank you for joining us for this week's insights. Don't forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And in the meantime, if you have questions or topics that you'd like to see us cover, please go to amplify.com slash questions. That's E-M-P-L-I-F-Y dot com slash questions and let us know what's on your mind. Stay safe, stay sane, and we will see you next week.